What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Dylan LeClaire is the senior market analyst at UTXO Management. He also writes a newsletter with Bitcoin Magazine. In this conversation, we talk about Bitcoin, on-chain metrics. We talk about Bitcoin's price, the market structure, and what to expect in the coming weeks. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dylan, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FTX US. FTX.US is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets. You can trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. There are no fixed minimum fees, no ACH transaction fees, and no withdrawal fees either. FTX.US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. Download the FTX app today and use referral code POMP to earn these free crypto on every trade over $10. The more you trade, the more you earn. Go download the FTX app today and use referral code POMP. Today's episode is brought to you by Brave. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. What's Web3? Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams, and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send, and swap assets, manage NFTs, even connect other wallets and dApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions. It's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com slash pomp and click the wallet icon to get started. Again, go download Brave at brave.com slash pomp and click the wallet icon to get started. This episode is brought to you by BCB Group. With a dedicated focus on institutional payment services, BCB Group provides business banking, cryptocurrency, and foreign exchange market liquidity for many of the world's largest crypto-engaged financial institutions. BCB business accounts allow businesses to load fiat currency and cryptocurrencies for payments, operations, and trading purposes. BCB's clients can trade FX and cryptocurrencies quickly and at scale with market-leading value. BCB's Blink Network is the European crypto industry's first instant settlements network and one of the first real-time payment networks of its kind to allow free real-time transactions across fiat and digital currencies. BCB's vision is to empower the global financial revolution through sustainable and innovative banking. You can find out more by visiting bcbgroup.com slash pomp today. Again, if you want to learn more, go to bcbgroup.com slash pomp today. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. My friend, Mr. Dylan LeClaire, how are you? Pomp, you're looking sharp. Hey man, listen, you got to have the bear market costume on. This this exact suit and tie defeated the 2018 bear market. It's back for the 2022 bear market and I'm not taking it off till we win. So, how are you? Doing great. What a what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Uh I first want to talk to you about Celsius. You have become uh, the Celsius uh, sleuth on the internet. I feel like you continue just you're all over this. What the hell is going on? Yeah, a lot of craziness. Um, I mean, I, I didn't, I never, it was never my intention to pick a bone with a certain company or a group of individuals. 
Um, but just kind of the events that transpired over the last couple of months. Um, I mean, I, I follow the markets very closely. I, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, and post Luna collapse, uh, there was increasing, there was an increasing amount of signs that there were certain, you know, counterparties in the space, certain companies that potentially had some troubles. Uh, I mean, just anecdotally, there's a, you know, $20 billion of stable coins that weren't stable and that went to zero. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of, you know, and that, that also promised a 20% yield. Right. So, so I had, I had some questions, I had some worries and I posted it uh, back in, I think May 11th. Uh, and I said, Hey, you know, there, there might be some announced insolvencies. I wouldn't want to have any yield on a uh, kind of a crypto yield product, uh, not your keys, not your coins. Um, and so, you know, ultimately kind of with the events that transpired from, from that time till now, uh, some of those worries, you know, proved to be correct. And, and Celsius has obviously closed its doors. So, you know, there's, there's some, a lot more things that happened since that time, but uh, yeah, I mean, just a lot of craziness. So when you look at Celsius right now, explain what has actually transpired. There's uh, nobody allowed to withdraw their coins or transfer between accounts, but w- what exactly is happening? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially you had throughout 2020, 2021, you had a whole bunch of kind of crypto, a native crypto yield products come out. Um, and, and these were able to be sustained because of a lot of the stuff we talked about, like the GBTC arbitrage, uh, the futures premium, where you could essentially in a risk-free sort of way, risk-free in quotation marks, uh, but in a market neutral sort of way, um, kind of, you know, taking away counterparty risk, exchange risk, et cetera, uh, you could capture these, these really, really large yields that were, you know, kind of unheard of, 30%, 20%. Uh, and, and, you know, these allowed these kind of crypto yield products to flourish. Uh, but because of those high yields, the demand for them grew. And because of just how market arbitrage works, the actual yields on those arbitrage uh, trades diminished greatly um, to, to where the point where, you know, the GBTC premium is now a GBT z- discount. Uh, that kind of futures contango is no longer uh, trading. And it's, you know, oftentimes actually right now, I think it's in a backwardation. So all those yield products uh, actually, or those yield strategies disappeared. And so now you have, uh, you know, a company like Celsius that is promising all of these, you know, huge yields that is, is kind of in a tough position. And, you know, instead of diminishing the yields, they kind of went further and further out onto the risk curve. Uh, and, and the, not the shady thing, but the, the worrisome thing about these strategies is that it's, they're super opaque and, and really the risks aren't able to be quantified, right? So, you know, Luna or, or UST on Anchor pays 20%. That's a, a nominal yield, but what you can't account for uh, is that kind of, you know, there's this potential for catastrophic loss, this, this you know, kind of uh, left tail blow up that, that really can't be quantified. So I think a, a good way to describe it is a lot of these yields aren't so much yield, but they're really just selling tail risk. Uh, and that's where that's where you kind of run into trouble. And I think that's what's happening with Celsius. Got it. And so how do you think this ends? I saw one tweet where you said that you thought they would get liquidated. Walk us through the mechanisms of uh, how much Bitcoin they have. Where are the price levels in which they could start to uh, come under pressure for liquidation? Yeah. So the craziest part about this market and honestly, one of the most fascinating aspects of it all is that, uh, you know, Celsius has money on, uh, I believe, uh, Maker and they have a, a, a collateralized loan in a vault. But the, the, the wild thing is all these levels are completely transparent. So you can see in real time the collateral levels uh, and how much debt they have outstanding. And so the, the liquidation price was at 18K. And I think this was almost like kind of a target on their back. You saw, I think, a lot of market makers, a lot of kind of, I wouldn't call it predatory. I would com- call it almost like PVP market, uh, you know, almost capitalism at its finest, right? If, if there's, you know, a liquidation level that's known, uh, someone's going to find it. But uh, Celsius has been depositing more collateral. They moved that liquidation level down to 17K. Uh, and just recently, I think almost 20 minutes ago, they paid down 28 million of the debt. So the liquidation level is now at 15. 
So uh, I think there's an you know, increasing chance they don't get liquidated. I mean, obviously, this would be, uh, this would be good uh, overall because, unfortunately, what's happening in this real-time kind of witch hunt is that these are customer funds at risk, which is you know, kind of just underscores how crazy this all is. Uh, depositors, you know, uh, of Celsius were actually unsecured creditors this entire time, uh, which is quite unfortunate. So I, I'm obviously hoping they don't get liquidated, but you know, it's just market forces at play. Do you think this is a scam? Like, do you think that there's something nefarious going on, or do you think that people are watching this all ha- play out in uh, in real time and uh, they just don't have all the information, and so uh, maybe it looks bad, but isn't bad? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's an outright scam uh, per se. I think honestly, it, it, it's noble to attempt to build a yield service in an emerging industry to, pro- to provide financial services. What I do think is somewhat, uh, I guess, nefarious or somewhat uh, maybe disingenuous is is the idea that there was no risk and that you know uh, you saw Celsius and some of the kind of executives say it's completely safe to hold your Bitcoin on here. And self-custody is actually the thing that's not, that's not safe because people lose it in self-custody, trust us. Uh, when the reality is they're taking your funds and going on DeFi protocols, rehab path, getting coins potentially. Um, so, I mean, obviously not all exchange operates like this, you know, proof of reserves, I think is an increasingly needed uh, kind of a needed action in this space, right? Um, because it's very easy to prove uh, ownership to you know transparently say, hey, we have your coins. They're not moving. They're at this address. Um, so I think that's a step in the right direction. And you know, kind of the rehypothecation with an absolutely scarce asset like Bitcoin uh, was always going to end badly, right? So uh, I think that's not necessarily a scam, but that you know this is why this is why you know the toxic maximalists per se are so toxic because they you know they've seen this kind of train before and they know how it ends. So when you think about it, it really ends up being a situation where uh, maybe the actions you don't think are uh, nefarious and there's kind of a good faith effort to build a product. It's more so the marketing and the way that it's been positioned. That's the thing that most people have a uh, have an issue with. Yeah, I, I, I think that's correct. I mean, we've we've seen not just not Bitcoin, but just through the history of money and economics, we've seen bank runs happen. We've seen fractional reserve and rehypothecation, uh, you know, almost always leads to a bank run of some sorts. Uh, and that leads to, you know, somewhat of an insolvency or or the depositors at these institutions going belly up. That's the reason why, you know, for better or worse, we're, we're with central banking today as a lender of last resort uh, to kind of bail out these uh, these fractional reserve institutions because you saw bank runs happen over and over again. So now we have an absolutely scarce digital asset that you can custody yourself with no counterparty risk and, you know, just the, the allure of, of lending out money uh, with yield uh, and paying out yield, you know, these, these uh, kind of financial services is very strong, both from kind of a business perspective, as well as an individual perspective, you know, deposit your Bitcoin and get a 1% yield. But ultimately, uh, and the reason I was such a loud kind of proponent of, of you know, taking your coins off, uh, just be very skeptical of these things is whether it's a 1% yield or a 5% yield, you can't really quantify what's the percent of chance that, that you lose 100% of your asset. And so I think that risk reward in my head just didn't make any sense. And that's why, you know, again, I was, I was tweeting from the rooftops about this and, and, you know, trying to get everyone uh, to get their money back. Got it. Well, you've got a bunch of uh, charts and uh, and tweets here that we're going to go through. The first is this idea of crypto contagion. Explain what exactly this is. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what I tweeted about last month. Um, Just as a heads up, there was, you know, I had certain things that I was seeing with the Luna uh, debacle. You can see the stuff happening on chain, which is very interesting, but this was kind of the first, uh, First warning, I would say, um, or kind of first uh, first thing that that I thought of post Luna collapse was you know counterparties at risk, 
you know, you really don't want to, you really don't want to take a chance. And, and unfortunately, you know, just, just a month later, we're seeing that all play out. Got it. And then if we continue to, uh, to look at this, you talked about the, not your keys, not your coins. And I think that's a key piece of this. Uh, I saw, you know, some people say, Hey, look, bear markets teach you a couple of things. One is leverage Two is not your keys, not your coins. Describe this a little bit more in terms of uh, how important of a concept this is for people who are new to the industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly think there's, you know, quality institutional grade custodians out there. Uh, it's definitely improved from the Mt. Gox days. Uh, but, you know, certain products, certain strategies are are not safe. And actually, uh, whether it's you know nefarious actors or just uh, incompetency, uh, you know, losses happen. And so uh, with Bitcoin, you have kind of this this for the first time ever, you have a way to, to hold your own assets in a way that's cryptographically secure, uh, you know, almost mathematically secure. And, and no one can steal that or take that away from you. So that's a really powerful idea. I personally believe it's one of the biggest ideas of our time. Uh, and it's, it's definitely worth, uh, it's worth learning about. And it's worth, you know, kind of implementing in a, in a safe and secure way because it is very secure uh, and if you do it correctly. Got it. And then if we go ahead and we take a look at some of the charts, you've got UST, USD. Uh, what's going on with uh, UST? Yeah, so the next two charts here are just kind of showing uh, what led to uh, you know some of the questions about Celsius and solvency. Uh, obviously, you had the the anchor UST Luna debacle. Uh, I think from from what the you know kind of the on chain stuff says and and people's analysis of Celsius wallets, they made it out relatively unscathed in UST actually. Uh, so kind of j- just barely. And then you know the next strategy because you know if you think about the yield generation strategies in the crypto market. We talked about GBTC. We talked about the futures premium. The next two were UST on the Anchor Protocol paying 20%. That blew up. The next biggest one that Celsius was also, you know, very, very, uh, you know, they were they were in this, implementing this trade in size was staked Ethereum. So Ethereum moving to proof of stake. Obviously, uh, you know, there's some execution risk. There's, you know, uh, in terms of a roadmap, it could be pushed back. But users can stake their Ethereum and get and get a yield on their native Ethereum uh, once the eventual kind of proof of stake implementation uh, comes around. And so there's actually a, what's called liquid staking, and this uh, Lido protocol allows you to get uh, you, you get a to stake your Ethereum, and then you get a staking derivative. So it's still a liquid asset. And so, but the thing is similar to kind of GBTC, it's a one-way redemption. So you you get you put your ETH in, you get staked ETH out, but there's no way to convert it back. It's locked in till the, till the merge of till proof of stake. But there is a trading market. And so one of the biggest worries, and this is kind of when, when the, the solvency issues and uh, illiquidity issues of Celsius really started to ramp up, was when this peg of staked ETH to Ethereum started to break. And it was less about solvency and more about liquidity. Uh, there was a lot of big staked ETH holders that, that wanted to get out, and there's just not really a liquid market for it. Uh, so this exchange rate, where it was you know typically one to one, started to fall and is you know trading around uh, I think 0.94. And so this is kind of another one of those things where uh, you have you know you have a company going out on the risk curve with company with a uh, customer funds, uh, and you know you see you see these things and you know these these very nascent DeFi markets start to break. And so you know again just kind of highlighting what went wrong here, a lot of things, uh, but ultimately I think this all kind of shows you that. Some of the 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 risks and the and the yield that you're compensated with, uh, you know, whether it's you know AP, APY or not, uh, I think you know doesn't really doesn't really uh, correctly identify just all the risks out there, and and you have to be really uh, aware of what you're actually 
you know, putting your money into. Got it. And so we've got this, uh, this graphic called fat tails, uh, where you talk a lot about the risks, uh, that end up, uh, playing out and kind of the yield that you could get versus what the risk you end up taking. Describe this idea of fat tails and, and why you think that the risk is not worth any yield. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a very basic standard deviation graph. You see a normal distribution and then you kind of see uh, the orange line is, is a uh, distribution with, with fat or tails. Ultimately kind of what I was, uh, you know, alluded to earlier, as I think a lot of these yield products in crypto, whether it's DeFi, uh, whether it's custodians paying you a yield on your assets, I think it's not yield uh, and calling it yield is actually disingenuous. Uh, maybe not in all cases, but for the most part. And I think what you're actually doing is you're selling, you're selling volatility, uh, you're selling kind of a far tail or, or long tail volatility. And so, you, you know, it's like almost like selling far out of the money S&P put options or Bitcoin put options. For the longest time, you're going to collect that premium, and, and the, the you know the notional position size, your your value is going to continue to go up. Your portfolio is going to continue to go up, but eventually, if you if you keep selling, you know, four or five standard deviation put options, you're going to wipe out your entire portfolio and have nothing. And so, while it's not a perfect analogy, this is what I think a lot of the kind of the yield products in crypto and Bitcoin uh, really are. Uh, you're just selling long tail volatility, and, and ultimately, it, it can lead to disastrous blowups. You've got a uh, chart here of the Bitcoin market value to realized value ratio. Uh, this MVRV uh, ratio is uh, uh, pretty much knocking on the door of uh, everything, saying, hey, we're pretty low, uh, and maybe it can go lower, maybe it can't. D- describe how you read something like this and kind of what it tells you from an actionable standpoint in the market. Yeah, I think we've talked about this probably on 20 episodes so far throughout the bull market. Uh, mapping it down kind of during consolidation periods. And now we're in the depths of the bear, maybe not the, you know, the, the bottom depths here, but here we are, right? Market value to realized value ratio. Almost you can think of it as the Bitcoin fair value, uh, Bitcoin's like aggregate on-chain cost basis, and we're trading below it, right? So can Bitcoin go lower? Certainly. Uh, through the history of Bitcoin, when price is lower than its average on-chain cost basis during its you know, kind of monetization phase, is it a good buying opportunity? Absolutely. And so I think I just love this as a simple framework. You have, you can, you know, see very clearly the monetization cycles of Bitcoin. Uh, and here we are at, at 22 uh, something thousand. Bitcoin's on-chain cost basis around 23,000. Uh, it's, it's extremely cheap. And so, you know, any analytical investor, any value investor should, should really do some digging on what this chart is telling you and what this chart means, uh, because I don't think you'll get many other buying opportunities at this level. So when you think about uh, something like this, with Bitcoin below the on-chain cost basis, is that just like an auto, hey, historically, this has been really uh, cheap, and if you take like a value investor approach on buying an asset for less than it's worth, uh, or is that maybe too simplistic of an analysis? I mean, I think that's a simple framework, but I think it's somewhat accurate, right? Uh, obviously, that that fair value, uh, value in my, in my opinion, value is subjective. There is no intrinsic value, but if you want to think of it as you have this this new monetary asset that arose from zero value and is is kind of just spreading around the world and monetizing on everyone's balance sheet, then taking a look at this transparent set of property rights, the Bitcoin UTXO set, and assigning a value for every single Satoshi that's moved and at what price, coming up with a kind of an average average cost basis of the network and and putting a ratio on that and saying whether it's above or below it is a pretty good is a pretty good way to kind of see whether or not you're buying for cheap or expensive. And so right now, and, and really only historically in the depths of the bear markets, do you get an opportunity to buy below this level? And, and also, it should be noted that the realized price level is, is just 
the realized price or the realized market cap of Bitcoin is far less volatile than the market price and continues to just kind of, you know, uh, move up in a, in a lockstep fashion, uh, lockstep fashion on logarithmic scale. So, you know, obviously price can go lower. You have so many variables, whether it's, you know, liquidations, derivatives, uh, whether, you know, the, the VIX or, the, you know, the legacy markets have another 20% lower, right? A lot of variables here, but just in terms of Bitcoin and Bitcoin only and Bitcoin relative to all of its holders, uh, it's historically cheap. Yeah. When you think about uh, kind of the price, do you think that there is uh, – we go down to where we are and it, at wherever the bottom ends up being, it's a sideways movement and there's like an accumulation phase? Or is this something that will have a lot of reflexivity to it where it's fallen so quickly that you actually expect a fairly fast recovery to some higher level? Yeah, I think certainly uh, the macro backdrop plays plays a big factor. Last uh, you know, last bear market, you know, wick to thirty eight hundred. The the recovery was very V shaped, and I think a lot of that had to do with the central bank response. I don't know if the Fed puts here, and I don't think it is uh, at the moment. I, you, you know, you still probably need to see inflation year over year come down, and a lot of these, uh, you know, the bond market to settle to settle down and stop selling off. Uh, this, again, it's, this is not just a Bitcoin uh, phenomenon. It's bonds, it's equities, it's really every every asset on the planet. The 60-40 portfolio is getting absolutely murdered. Um, so I think that all plays plays a role here. And I, I really think we're already in the accumulation phase. I mean, I just talking to talking to other investors, uh, you know, people are people are buying Bitcoin hands over fist that actually believe in the asset. And you know, somewhat of the unconvicted uh, un, unconvicted investors have already sold. As well as you know, people that are actually bullish on this asset that that own it in large size are you know trying to get other uh, industry players to become for sellers. So there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of short term trader games going on, but the long term investors are certainly buying here, and you know an accumulation phase has already started. So whether we bounce to 30k, uh, you know, in the coming months, or you know, kind of trend sideways for a while, uh, then game is pretty clear. Yeah. When you start to think about um, kind of Bitcoin as part of the macro environment, uh, the Fed seems to be in control. We got news yesterday, uh, whether it was leaked or, or it's just good reporting, uh, that they're considering a 75 basis point hike, which would be an acceleration off of the 50 basis points they previously said they would do uh, this week. Um, does that mean that Bitcoin could experience more kind of max pain and, and uh, could continue to fall further? Like, how do you think about uh, the relationship, not only of the Fed and interest rates, but also they set expectations. And if they were to deviate from that in a more aggressive manner, what would that happen to Bitcoin? Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of funny. A lot of these strategists uh, that talk about what the Fed's doing, they're really just looking at the euro dollar futures market, uh, which is just the Fed bond futures market. So uh, that's fully priced in 75 basis points. I think that the market uh, and that's as, you know, as of a couple of days ago. And so I think the market is, is fully expecting 75 basis points, but really I, it's, I think the Fed's behind the curve in a big way. Um, I don't think that's actually too in-depth of an analysis that, you know, the treasury market, uh, the entire yield curve is I think above 3% at this point. So, you know, whether the Fed funds is at 75 bips or 150 bips it is really not very material. The treasury market's already done the tightening uh, for them at this point. Um, so they're, they're just playing catch up, uh, you know, how high yields go, how high the Fed fund rate goes. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a good chance to get it up to three and a half, four percent by year's end, which is, you know, certainly an aggressive, uh, you know, tightening cycle. But still, at that point, real yields are still deeply negative. So I think that, you know, the end game is still we're in a monetary repression regi regime, even if uh, nominally there's there's some monetary tightening. Um, you know, real yields uh, from kind of a CPI year over year standpoint are still going to be deeply negative uh, for some time. Yeah. When you think about uh, kind of where we are um Every single data point or many data points 
seems to be hitting capitulation points, you know, very deep uh, kind of value markers that we haven't seen since March of 2020. What would be the thing that would invalidate your thesis around Bitcoin or some of these metrics? Like, is there something that you're like, man, if X happened, that would be the thing that would make me kind of rethink all of this? Yeah, I mean, really, um, there's there's only a couple of things that would invalidate my Bitcoin thesis. Uh, and one of them would be uh, hash rate, not you know, hash rate for whatever reason, an alien invasion. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, somewhat of a joke. But uh, if hash rate wasn't kind of materially just continuing to strengthen and continuing to go up over time, and there, for some unforeseen reason, which I've thought about over and over and can't really come up with a good one, uh, fell off in a, you know, and sustained uh, kind of that, that fall off, that drop off, that would, that would leave me questioning my thesis. Um, but really, uh, no, I, I, whether the exchange rate goes to 30K or 15K, uh, you know, that, that really uh, doesn't change my underlying thesis that Bitcoin is the strongest monetary asset. Uh, and is is the only really thing that, that you can own that's not subject to political whims or you know the arbitrary decision of some policymakers or individuals. And when you see hash rate hitting all time high, but price hitting these lows, uh, does that tell us anything about the relationship between price and hash rate, or is that just uh, kind of a separation or a disjoining uh, between those two metrics? Yeah, it's somewhat of the chicken and the egg. Uh, you know, price falls, hash rate, hash rate falls, price. Uh, I think prices ran up just so, uh, you know, in such an aggressive fashion, and it's and it's hard to actually bootstrap uh, this many ASICs and, and the actual physical hardware on the network. Uh, so you know, you're seeing stuff like hash price, which we've talked about, right? Which is minor revenue divided by hash rate. Uh, it's falling to lows that you know we haven't really seen since uh, the depths of 2020. So miners' margins are getting squeezed, but that was always that's always kind of how this is, operates. Hash rate continues to kind of climb up. And any inefficient miners, any miners that have a high production cost, uh, kind of get squeezed out, and those ASICs find their find their way somewhere else. And so, I think this is going to, you know, continue to be the trend. Uh, and I think in in that regime, we're going to see miners struggle, uh, whether it's publicly traded miners or just ASIC values. Uh, it's you know, there's going to be probably some fire sale prices. Miners in Bitcoin terms have been been getting killed, uh, but eventually that will reverse, uh, and eventually, you know, these miners whether it's the actual physical hardware or the, you know, the publicly traded names are just going to be such a great value buy. And I think we're, we're slowly approaching that. And then my last question for you is when you think about uh, the miners and many of the publicly traded companies, we've seen Coinbase and, and others, uh, they all seem to be trading down significantly, but not just down, uh, you know, from, Hey, they were higher and now they're lower. The multiples have collapsed. Some of them literally it's like cash plus a little bit of credit for their actual business. How do you evaluate the public markets and their relationship to Bitcoin? Yeah, um, I mean, there's certainly uh, there's there's a lot of cyclicality in the crypto industry. Um, if you know, if you're looking at a player like Coinbase, you have to look at their their revenues year over year. Uh, I think certainly they were they were very expensive. Uh, if you're just looking at the success of Bitcoin and its potential, uh, you know, at Coinbase's IPO, it was worth 2.5 million Bitcoin. So I think in Bitcoin terms, it was always going to fall. Uh, it was just kind of an outrageous valuation. Uh, just my opinion, but I think that's, you know, it, it's definitely closer to fair value. Uh, but in terms of, you know, some of the miners and just the, the debt they have on their balance sheet, you know, that's certainly playing, in, uh, you know, a role here. MicroStrategy is, I think, trading lower than they first bought Bitcoin, which is which is quite crazy given their, their debt structure uh, and all the Bitcoin they own at 30K. I mean, it, ma- it makes sense from a public market perspective, but just, you know, fire sale prices nowadays. And so, you know, certainly uh, whether you're, you know, an exchange or a publicly traded miner, uh, price going lower uh, certainly is is tough on your business model, and as well as you know, multiples across the equity markets have been falling. 
um, because of these rising yields and, and uh, you know, duration getting crushed. Uh, so I think certainly, you know, there can be uh, lower prices to be seen, especially if the Bitcoin market and equities continue to go lower. Uh, but in terms of, you know, fair value, a lot of these names are, are much better priced than they were throughout all of 2021. Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. Kind of watch as this all is uh, is playing out. Um, I'm gonna lobby you to uh, to get a bear market costume as well, and maybe we can get you wearing a suit and tie. Uh, everyone has to wear suits and ties until the bear market is over. That's our punishment for uh, uh, not only do our portfolios get punished, but also we have to walk around uh, and pretend like uh, we we, uh, we we don't have a say in what we do on a daily basis. Okay, I'll uh, I'll bring out a suit for the next time. <laughs> <laughs> If we start having everyone wear suits and ties, people will be confused. They'll think that uh, we're under a spell or that we're somehow uh, in uh, in trouble. Yeah, crawl, crawl my way back to TradFi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, buddy. Where can we send people to find you on the internet, follow you, or subscribe to uh, to the newsletter? Yeah, you can just find me at uh, on Twitter at DylanLeClaire underscore. Uh, you know, post a lot of my thoughts there uh, just on a daily basis. Uh, follow follow my work at Bitcoin Magazine Pro. We kind of uh, we had an in depth review of all the Celsius. Uh, you know, the Celsius debacle yesterday, it got posted on zero hedge, uh, if you want to find it there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I do, uh, cover Bitcoin financial markets, uh, and, uh, and love it. Yeah. Do it a great job, buddy. Keep it up. And, uh, I'm glad that, uh, zero hedge unblocked you. I saw that as well, that they had you blocked <laughs> and then you lobbied. You're like, Hey, if you're gonna use my content, at least unblock me, which, uh, which means you're back in the game there, right? Yes, sir. We're back. All right. Sounds good. Talk soon. Cheers, Bob. All right. Later. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the Bitcoin or crypto industry, we've got you covered. Head over to pompscryptocourse.com. We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more, and I'll meet you guys for the next episode.